0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's guest, Irene. I didn't even get the first bit right. (laughs) I was worried about how I was going to pronounce the second part of your name. I've got the first one. Irina Shahovsov. How did I go?
1: It sounds good.
0: Good. Good. Welcome. How are you?
1: Thank you. I'm great. Thank you for having me.
0: You're so welcome. Uh, I'm honored to have you on. I appeared on your podcast some time back and I really enjoyed the experience. So I'm looking forward to this conversation to shine the spotlight on you, Irina, and what you do. So as we talked about before we jumped on we, in this podcast, we get straight to the big stuff. So could you share with our listeners what was that, that moment for you that that changed everything in your life?
1: Yes, So I'm a single mom of two kids and three days before my second child was born, he's now eight, uh, I find out that uh, from my then spouse that everything was a mistake and uh, we shouldn't have been together and i feeling that emptiness inside, uh, dedicating my life to my family and feeling my body kind of split open, my top part where love used to live. I felt a hole was formed inside and the bottom part where my baby lay, I wanted to preserve and keep safe. And I rubbed my belly and I said, no matter what happens, uh, I will always love you to my unborn baby. Yeah. And that was that the moment that kind of changed everything that I didn't see it coming. It was unexpected. It was not something I was anticipating. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very difficult, a tough time in my life and I was living in that kind of, you know, when you're just ticking boxes off, you fulfill your obligations, but mentally, emotionally, you're checked out, you're somewhere else, you're not really there. Yeah. So the first steps, like when my son took his first steps, they're not as vivid on when he's uttered his first words versus when my daughter was growing up because I was mentally, physically present, but with my son, it was dif- different
0: so so how was it different so so that that moment I, I love that you had the awareness to say well I'm I'm gonna have the intention that I don't allow this to affect my relationship with my son which I think is just beautiful uh, I don't think many would have had that presence of mind maybe 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 I'm um, uh, underestimating that power of that maternal instinct of that in that moment Um so then you the reality of that then hits home so now you're you're gonna bring this child into the world knowing that you're not going to have your partner there like what that those three days must have just been an absolute roller coaster what like what sort of thoughts went through your head in those in those those first three days in those early moments
1: the immediate thoughts like what whatever did i do to deserve this i thought i was a good wife um uh... I was home, I was present, I was cooking, I was uh, doing what a good wife's supposed to do. (laughs) How did this uh, happen? And uh, like instantly, uh, you know, like we say now, feeling like a victim, like life is happening to me. And uh, living in a fog, not knowing what next step to take and is this a right step? Because, you know, growing up, We have this idea of how a perfect family should be, that it should be a a mother and a father and a child. And when this reality that you have this perceived uh, upbringing and then that reality doesn't match the picture you have in your head, you start living in dissonance. You start feeling depressed and broken. And this is how I was feeling. And the thoughts... uh, We actually went and we had some sessions with psychologists after which I felt even more broken and depressed, Mm. uh, bawling my eyes out and not like, is this supposed to help me? Or like, why am I feeling so lost and broken and miserable after them? Because we Mm. never, nothing was ever discussed during the sessions. It was just, oh, how are you doing? Oh, you don't have like a a Gucci bag and you don't drive a fancy car. So if you guys kind of split up, it's going to be okay no worries and i could never understand how a guy who has his full family and everything is great how can he really feel how i'm feeling in my shoes i understand and i have nothing against psychologists but it's all great you have the theory you went to school and you're supposed to know how everything is going to roll out but if you, you've never been a woman you never <laughs> how do you know how i feel and the material possessions uh, like of a consequence or no consequence? How are they even part of this picture? And why is that even important or relevant? Why are we not discussing our emotions or our issues or how we're we dealing with things or, you know, something is missing?
0: Hmm. Um, well, I might come back to that question when we talk about the work that you do um, because uh, I'm the same as you. Nothing it's psychologists, but what really stood out there is they need to know what they specialize in. Because, how, yeah, like you said, you, you couldn't relate to that person and they won't give you the right information anyway. So was that after you'd given birth to your son?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. So how much further after? Uh, three months. Three months. So what about that? those – so at this, this time when it's meant to be so joyful – You've got this new baby boy, but you're having all these other things going on. Like, what was that experience like? It must have been so difficult. Yes, I was sweet.
1: physical, emotional pain, uh, feeling like I'm a, a monotone robot, and not knowing how, how to continue living, having suicidal thoughts, but knowing mm. that I need, I'm needed for my baby. My baby needs me for milk. I'm his resource right now. Um, but mentally checked out because the place, you know, how we have, we create that perfect place, how we grow up and this is how our life's supposed to be. And if that place is not there, I, I think I checked out. I mean, I, I was sane and everything functioning, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really being present, like we say, like present in the moment. Um, I was... I think pushing reality back and living, you know, how we live in denial and still hoping that we can, something still can be saved. Meanwhile, sessions with psychologists didn't show that. They shown otherwise because there was nothing resolved or ever spoken. Uh, And uh, how, like, another explanation. If you sleep and you have... Like you're covering the, you're trying to pull the blanket over your head, and you don't want (laughs) to come out to the real world. And like the blanket is being pulled away from you little by little, as as Mm. you feel the land is kind of, uh, you lose your footing, because for surety you lose the surety of your life. You've been part of this family. You knew who you were. You were someone else's wife. You were someone else's mom. And you had that statue in life, how you see yourself, where you are going, who you are being. And now all of that kind of whimsically kind of disappears and you have to discover who you are again.
0: Mm, Wow. So actually, because you referenced that a couple of times, it's like, you know, how the ideals of what you thought life was meant to be based on what you'd grown up um, having role model to you. And then suddenly having that identity ripped away is it almost right. like that's the like yes there's the grief of of um, of loss but also that that grief of like well who am I now?
1: Yes, yeah. As they say, midlife crisis. When and oftentimes we go through life, we have different masks. Like this is how I am at work. This is how I am at home. This is how I am with friends, and we live with those masks. But then. It came a point in life where no mask was suitable because none of them fit anymore and you kind of uh, asking yourself this question like what do i want out of life <laughs> what's gonna happen now i had this picture and i thought this is where it's gonna go never in a million years i imagined i'm gonna be a single mom <laughs> that didn't yeah. ever enter the picture uh because uh, I had an idea that I'm going to be. It's going to be a family, a big family, and it's all going to be happily ever after. <laughs> but history stays silent. What happens after happily ever after? <laughs> so that that uh, that kind of uh, it was difficult uh, living. And in the past, I used to cry uh, talking about that subject. But given how many years have passed and how much work I've done on myself and reading books and doing the work, I'm now able to speak with you and you see a smile on my face like I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not excited yeah. about it, but I this is the person who I am. I, I look at things and see a silver lining or a positive lesson from an experience as opposed to because any side, any story, any situation, we always have more than one side. But oftentimes, we only see the one side, our ego side, what is like kind of standing in front of us and triggering us. We never see, maybe there is another way. Maybe there is something else happening that we cannot see right now because we are so overcome by our emotions, by our anger, by our grief or loss because different people experience different things, how they deal with those things. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it becomes difficult and... When I was there, I didn't see, I only saw that one side that I am a victim and I'm being punished for something that I don't know what, what, what crime have I committed?
0: Oh yeah. Wow. Um, So for the listeners, uh, Irene has done a lot of work in this space and she's now a coach herself and she's done a lot of healing work around this. So the awareness she has around this whole thing is going to be uh, far more clear than what most would. But um, oh, for the benefit of the listeners also, Irina, I want to bring us back to more of what you're experiencing because that's where we find the gold, right? But also really highlighting that whatever you're going through, it's possible to come out the other side, like you said, to find to find that excitement back in your life and the joy that just disappears at that time. So there's a, a lot to unpack there in that in those early stages that the thing that came to mind was okay so you've had this moment with your son 3 days before he's born and bef- before you meet him physically what's your relationship like with your children now as they're older and what impact do you see from that time on on what that relationship um was at different times up, leading up till
1: now. Well, I think ch- children is the best thing that happened out of the whole relationship. Uh, with my son, I feel he's very compassionate, genuine soul. He, ne- he will always express how is feeling, so you're never in doubt. If you're upsetting his feelings, he's very articulate in his emotions, and I didn't teach him that. Or
0: did he... Get that when you spoke to him three days before he was born. <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> Anything is possible.
0: <laughs> Sorry, keep going.
1: But, yeah, and, uh, and with my daughter, I feel she had the, the brunt of it, the most difficult uh, situation because she was an only child for five and a half years. And then when the son was born, dad left, and I turned more towards my son, and she, I think, was missing that connection with me, and it, it's, it's been difficult of, on her, I think, that, you know.
0: That's actually massive, because uh, having gone through my own healing around that, like when when you're a child and you're the center of attention the youngest and then another child comes in um but i have also know that that my eldest has been through that same thing so that's that's just a, a grief that older kids experience because of that separation from what they have known but you pile on top of that the separation from mum as well um wow that did you live with once you started to realize this? Was there was there like a lot of guilt that came with with that as well?
1: Yes, yes. There are always, uh, you know, they don't give you a, a manual when you have kids, and no matter how many books you read, they're not really gonna help you. It's like action. They, how do you call it? You learn on the job, as they say, <laughs> as, yeah. as you experience every single situation and. Uh, it's been a, a difficult uh, journey, and sometimes it's hot and cold. We could be uh, having a, a conversation, and then explosion, or five minutes later, like nothing happened. And uh, I think it was difficult on her part as well. Uh, first time she tell, told me that she loves me when she was when she was ten years old. Wow! Before, before that, it was. No, nothing, nothing to that effect
0: mm, Wow Did you know that consciously at the time that she was not saying it?
1: She wasn't really expressing she wasn't too expressive with her feelings and emotions so uh, when she was uh, 10, 10 years old it was kind of unexpected, and I remember crying when it happened. Wow. When she intense. was still in my belly, uh, I imagined how, and maybe it's, uh, I call, it part of my fault a little bit. I was imagining I'm gonna have a friend with whom I'm gonna cook and have this time together. And as a result, she doesn't have a lot of friends. Uh, she's more, like, I, I, I am, I, I was an introvert, and with my son, I wished for him to have friends, to be outgoing, to be this personable. And he came out like that.
0: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, if, you, if you were coaching yourself now, uh, what would you say about what's possible now going forward for you, despite what's been in the past?
1: Anything is possible uh, because we create our future from the present moment, uh, from being here and now. And back then a lot of uh, what you were talking about, what kind of thoughts I had, I forgot to mention the thoughts of always I could have, should have, would have. I was living in the past. I was reliving my story. I was constantly questioning, did I make the right decision or what is the right decision? What did I say? How did I feel? What did the other person say? And... Uh, we always operate to the best of our ability with the resources we have available at the moment. We cannot yes. go back and change the past, no matter how hard we try, unless we have a time machine. But we can definitely able to change our future because our past is just a history, a story that we tell ourselves. We can always create a new uh, story. And the most uh, influential voice is the voice that in our in our head that we constantly every day listen to and believe and once we believe then it becomes uh, realized it comes true because our powerful mind magnetizes all the situation people emotions and events into our life what we experience what we think to be true
0: yeah yeah
1: so if i was coaching myself i would say create a better story Change your story, change your life. Your story, your past does not define your future. (laughs) Anything is possible as long as you believe.
0: So good. So good. Um, I think it was um, Les Brown the first time I heard that, change, change your story, change your life. And that was like, oh, how often do we get caught in the story? the the repeating the same conversations again and again and again it's like no no we don't have to do that anymore we don't have to stay stuck in the drama and the and the what the water could have should have like you said um that's really powerful arena thank you for sharing that so i i was i was drawn to what you said there you said at three months you had this counseling and you said it didn't feel like it helped but also you cried and cried and cried now to me you've just gone through those first three months where you were numb, mm-hmm. there, there probably would have been like a lot of therapeutic benefits of going into that space and letting all that emotion out too, right?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And do you feel like that was a something that was able to create change or did that not really help you to, to do anything differently at that point?
1: I think what created change is my realization of, I realized that I can no longer live like that, be miserable, be in despair, not have enough energy, be this depleting individual. I felt like the be- my best self went to work while my kids would get the leftovers. Mm. And I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And oftentimes, knowing with the coaching that I have gone through, we get stuck to the familiar, because the familiar is what we know and trust, so any brand new ch- step in the direction of your new life, you could be feel trapped in it, because it's new, therefore unfamiliar, therefore dangerous, and your subconscious is going to try to stop you, so I think it's uh, making that decision and realization that however I was living wasn't working, the practices that I had, the habits that I had in my life didn't work, and I needed to change something. I didn't know how I'm going to change it. But I kind of I got fed up with the way I was living and being and having a constant rush. I was I would drop off one kid in nursery, another one in school or kindergarten and rush to get to work. And it was a constant uh, day rushing all the time. And one day I missed my train by a minute. And I started crying on the train, on the platform and asking myself this question, where are we rushing to? Do we all, all come here to suffer and struggle? Is this what life all about? Where are we rushing to anyway, to our death? What is this great destiny that we always have to be in this rush? Mm. And that, that point kind of was another, like a wake-up call that from that point I decided that I needed to change something. I needed mm. to bring change into my life.
0: Oh, that's so powerful! Yeah, well, why am I rushing to this place It brings so much suffering? Wow, that's something for people to think about. Um, you said you said it was kind of you didn't realize at the time, but it was, but after the birth of your son and and the breakup of your marriage, you said it was like eighteen months of depression. So, was the moment you described there was that what kickstarted you, or was there something else that that, that brought you awareness of a need to change at that um, one-and-a-half-year mark?
1: Yeah, one-and-a-half-year mark, standing on the platform, missing my train, and mm. asking myself the question, do we come here to suffer?
0: Brilliant. So many uh, different places we can take this now, Irina. Um, When you talked about you had this certainty or this surety that that you mentioned around where your life was heading, at what moment did you realize that, okay, I can create new certainty, I can create new surety around what my future looks like? Was that... You talked about rewriting the story. Like, Was there a process that you were taken through by someone? Did you get help to rewrite that story? How did it unfold for you?
1: I think this, this is over a course of some time and uh, me introducing different practices. Uh, so my recovery process after breakup started with me first taking a walk in the morning and like Tony Robbins has his power hour, spending yeah. the first hour of the day, setting intention, uh, uh, what I was doing, I was walking around a truck, a race track, and I was visualizing and telling myself how I want my life to be, where I want my, my, my children, what kind of activities I want them to do, how I want to be feeling. And believe it or not, some of it already came true.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do.
1: But uh, it was a process uh, of me introducing <laughs> different habits uh, over time, so first habit was walking in the morning, uh, seeing the sunrise, being present when the day is being born and feeling like I didn't miss anything. And mm-hmm. walk could sound so simple and so consequential, but for me, it was my first step into the uh, direction of my new life. I didn't have a picture of, of my path, where it's going to go and uh, how I'm going to be, but that was the first step that I took was working and then little by little addressing different needs like uh, physical health. I turned vegetarian. I listened to a PhD professor um, speaking on a podcast and from a chemical perspective what happens uh, from the process of digestion and I got so inspired that I decided let me try that and as a result I lost 10 pounds which was not uh, an intention. The intention was to take care of myself better because there was nobody to take care of me And then uh, other practices I implemented was learning how to sing, getting a voice coach and being able to open up my voice, singing what I couldn't speak, joining Toastmasters, uh, being able to do public speaking and being here with you today, I was an introvert. I would never be this, talking like like that, like I'm talking now.
0: Yeah. Do you you think um, now... Do you think like you were an introvert or more just that you, you just didn't know how to express yourself properly?
1: In, introvert and hiding and not articulating myself often. Hmm. Uh, growing up, I, I was the quiet child. My uh, we, we lived in an apartment building and neighbors often wondered if my mom had a kid because I was so quiet.
0: Wow. Um <laughs>
1: when you brand new into it you come into it it's less like, how you see things and you might realize a year later oh i learned it there because you start verbalizing it or thinking or thinking like oh wow now i now now i get it <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um okay so while we're talking about neurolinguistic programming i am so your english is really good right um
1: i still have an accent but yes
0: yeah of course and you know the, the accent's an accent right of course you are going to have that that's a pretty normal sort of thing but you, you you've learned how to help people to create a new story a new language but how did you go learning a whole new language or did you grow up learning english or, or
1: nope. how did that unfold uh, i always laughed Foreign languages. Uh, I was growing up. We had Russian as a main language. We had Uzbek, is the country was the official language of the country I was in, mm-hmm. and I was also learning English. And uh, first, when coming to America, I actually had a mental block. I would understand what people tell me, but I could not immediately reply. Like I have an answer in my head, but I cannot come out. It had some kind of a plug. And then, uh, as I, uh, when I came to this country, I was actually teaching myself Spanish. I was so fascinated by it. And then I went to college. I uh, took it as an elective, and I actually passed my Spanish with flying colors. And they thought I was majoring in it before I passed my English exam, <laughs> 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 which, which was like very interesting to me. Yeah. And in the last semester of college, I also took French. Uh, and now I'm learning French on Duolingo 15 minutes every day. I think it keeps your mind fresh and organized. And I just love foreign languages. I have this affinity uh, towards it. And also singing in different languages as well, I think. I don't know. It makes life more interesting as you learn things and languages and cultures. So, mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um- you mentioned that you feel like you might have had a block there. Do you attribute that to anything? Like, did you, so did you choose to move? What what was the, from where you grew up in Uzbekistan, what what was the journey then to, to where you are now?
1: Well, I came here when I was into the United States when I was 17 and parents, everybody was moving. So I, came along as a child and there i was and uh how you call it i think it's an experience because you when you learn the language if you don't and in a framework of a classroom of course you can talk and it's easy and here you finally faced with the real world now show me what you got (laughs) and and i think it it takes a while for you to kind of assimilate or absorb that, that all the knowledge that you possess and being able to express it and articulate it in a way that is understood and clear and concise. Because oftentimes when uh, you have a different, uh, your first language, you think in your first language and then you translate it and then you have to kind of, (laughs) and as you learn more languages, you might find yourself, you have this vocabulary thing going on (laughs) for, for different languages.
0: I can't I can't even comprehend I have enough trouble with English (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not surprised there's a block there right like you you come into this new country and uh, like you said the the expectation is that you assimilate and then you've got that challenge of of trying to learn a new language and then processing other languages and um, so was it Then difficult to make new friends then when you came into the the U.S.?
1: Not not really. It was actually interesting. And it's not that the language was difficult. It wasn't really difficult. It was interesting because I didn't pass the English exam uh, as entrance essay into college and I didn't pass it by mere fact of a structure because in English language, they like to structure everything. And well, at least this was the acceptance. And you're supposed to say, what you're gonna say right in the first sentence, and then you have three points, and then you open up three points, and then you do a conclusion. In Russian, you wouldn't write like that. You would entice your reader to be inspired to keep on reading, You kind of hook them in, and you unfold the story as you write. And this is how I was writing. But that was not acceptable. And that's the part I didn't pass. And, uh, and then I was enrolled into, in ESL uh, for about a year. And the interesting part was we had uh, 10 Russian students, and there was uh, one Indian, and we had a Greek teacher. So everybody was learning Russian, not English, in that essay class. Yeah. And that, that went on for about a year. And in the summer, there was an intensive where we had to write three essays per day. I became so good at it, they, they told me I should write for New York Times. Wow. <laughs> because, because of the practice, you know, it's not the big, gigantic things you do, but it's those micro things, those 10-minute spurs. And if you repeat them every day, you might see so much more improvement. Because oftentimes we see, like, somebody overnight sensation, but we don't see the hard work that went in behind the scenes on a day-to-day basis.
0: (laughs) So true, so true. What you said there around how the structure for how Russian, um, you learn to write in Russian, that's how I like to write. And to me, that's what engages people. And unsurprisingly, it sounds like the uh, US system and the Australian system similar. It mm-hmm. almost sounds like it takes us away from something that works and then creates some structure that is actually keeps us stuck. Like we want to be inspired. Of course, yes, let's start with the inspiration. I love yeah. that. so so do you still bring that element into your writing now?
1: Definitely, of course. I discovered <laughs> this, I uh, call it. Uh, affinity for writing this year as I uh, uh, published uh, two books, Soul Parent in April and then, not Soul Parent, Sacred Surrender, then Revolutionary Leaders in July and now next Friday, (laughs) December 9, Soul Parent book launches. And it's been an incredible journey of uh, uncovering and I think writing is so therapeutic, putting your thoughts on paper, you might not realize how how many stories we often think, oh, we have nothing to write about. But there are so many stories that we all possess. And sometimes it's not your college degree, but your life experience that is not documented anywhere. And you get to share your message, uh, uh, your lessons. And sometimes what's, it took you 20 years in experience. You could let the reader know in a matter of a chapter or uh, in the matter of ten paragraphs, they can learn uh, the whole story, and lessons learned and things experienced.
0: Much, much like podcast, right? It's it's healing for the people going through it, like for both of us here, and then also for the listener. In the book, it's the same. It's a therapeutic process in yourself to get your story out, to have the courage to tell it, and then and then share it. Uh, and then it's also there's a transformation element for the reader as they can relate to all the all those different elements that that you shared as well. So is that of all of the mediums that you have? Is does that is writing your favourite then?
1: Podcasting, writing, yes, speaking,
0: all of commun- them,
1: communication,
0: communication,
1: <laughs> singing.
0: Okay, so of all of those elements of communication, is there one that lights you up more than the others? Singing. Singing, okay. Tell me more about that. Like, What is is the joy? Why is it so joyful, the singing?
1: I think it opens up something inside because in the moment when you sing, you become present. You're not somewhere else. You're right there in the song. Mm -hmm. You're let it come through you. Let it. It's not just you opening your mouth, but you're actually feeling uh, the words and the music and the lyrics and how it's flowing. And You can imagine yourself being somewhere else, being a different person, creating a different story <laughs> in the moment of a song.
0: I love it. That's... It
1: can light you up. It can lift up your spirits in an instant, in a matter of a minute. Uh, you don't even... Uh, I called, need anything, just listen to a song or sing it and experience all the amazing endorphins into your bloodstream as you (laughs) start doing the thing you love most.
0: Oh, yes, so good. Presence, tap into the feeling, the flow, and then you are transformed by the music. Um, Wow. That's a great, great metaphor for life as well. The more you can bring those four things in. the better life will become. So how does singing then come into your coaching or does it come into your coaching? Not yet. Not yet? I I hope
1: hope to combine it in the future. I have this great dream, my vision of creating a Reclaim Your Life Center where people who lost hope in life can come and rejuvenate themselves and work with different practitioners. Like if they need work with their emotions or lose weight or uh, quit smoking or and in addition having uh, hobbies on site. So maybe having a karaoke place or uh, an art studio to d- discover their talents because oftentimes we neglect hobbies we, we think they are for kids. But even though we are adults, we still have that little inner five-year-old. We still have the dreams that are waiting for us to be experienced and felt, and we often neglect them because we are now serious adults. We have right. bills to pay and things to do.
0: Yeah. So true. I feel that that singing element is going to be a really key part of, uh, of what you offer and how you described it just – confirmed what i felt in my body is a like it's therapy it's therapy for the soul like i know that for me that's that's the impact music has but then inviting people into a space where they can then bring in their own expression of that as well um and as you have described in in whichever language um yeah so that that's a whole like physical building like a, a center is that what you were describing there
1: Yes, a center with different alternative practitioners Mm -hmm. and having hobbies on site. So whether it's singing, an art studio, a coffee shop where people can create their creations and then share them. And uh, the idea is for them. And also the next element is the grow. So part of Reclaim Your Life, which is the company I created, live dream and grow so the grow part is personal development continuous evolution so having those personal development uh, spaces uh, to develop your soul with the idea that after you come out of the center you go find after your dreams you become you gain gain back your hope for life and go after your dream whatever that is because we don't want to make the cemetery the richest place on earth we want to make Our dreams realize whether it's next cancer research or some kind of a breakthrough some crazy idea we think we have
0: yeah yeah and and as you rightly described so often we lose touch with those things that we always wanted to do when we were younger and it's been true for the people that i've uh, coached as well is bringing back those activities that bring us joy, the childlike joy, more more play, not, not yep. because it has to have an outcome, not because it has to be improved, just because of what it is and what it brings to us. Um, oh, yeah, I, I would uh, highly endorse a centre like that. I love it, Irina. <laughs> we talked before about... Psychologists and 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 I'm with you. I, I've I've had my children have seen psychologists. Uh, I've got great friends who are very good at what they do, and at the same time, I've also had people like you described who have, have been to a psychologist and and they've talked about different things, but they've not necessarily got into what they need to get into. And when you were talking, what dawned on me is like it's it's not psychologists that are the problem, not that I'd ever thought that were the problem, but it's it's having clarity on who it is that you help because if there's not an alignment there, if you're not sure what it is, like you said, if it's not from personal experience, then there's not going to be the right fit and you're not going to get the results as you, as you experience, right? So th- through that lens, from your own experience, How are you now helping people like you were in that particular stage of your life? How do you help them from your own experience through all of those different things that you've learned when they come to you and they they are a single parent that that now wants to make change?
1: So I created something called Happiness Academy, which combines four states of being uh, physical, emotional, mental and spiritual. And it's creating systems and habits in your life that habits that sustain you instead of pull you away. And the reason why I started with the physical because it's something so eternal for us. We see it every day in the mirror. And uh, when we get our physical things unchecked, so our nutrition, our wellness, how much we sleep, how well we sleep, how much we rest our body, uh, then so that when we fix that not fix, but improve if something is missing. (laughs) Then we move on to the emotional state and we work on how we see our past, our history, that we are not victim of our circumstances, but what lessons could we learn? And then implementing practices of meditation, gratitude and forgiveness, because it's the daily habits that, just like we brush our teeth every day, we want to have good oral hygiene. All those practices of meditation is having clarity of your mind, And forgiveness is like dropping a heavy bag of any grudges that you have on a a given day. If you have a bad conversation and you go back, you go to sleep with that still ringing in your mind, what kind of day are you going to create the the next morning? The same miserable day because you're still going to remember that. What if we create a practice of a daily forgiveness before we go to bed? And gratitude, even in the midst of despair, there are always things to be grateful for. There are always things that are working. And it's always easy once we pick a thing that's working, we suddenly remember a second, a third or a fourth thing that is working because we are directing our attention to that particular thing and our mind is so focused as a servant wants to prove us right. is going to bring us more of similar uh, qualities to remember. And uh, then we concentrate on our mental health, and dealing with any uh, things that is holding us back. So I in integrate uh, NLP as well as personal experience in how to create a change. And then self-love component is so important. Oftentimes growing up, we think it's being selfish, but we do need to be selfish if we want to bring the best version of us into the world, the kind of that shows up for our kids, for our co-workers our bosses and people around us if we <laughs> forgot to take care of ourselves <laughs> what kind of uh, raging lunatic is going to come out and
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we work we work on those uh, things how to implement self-love practices into your day-to-day living and then discovering your hobby i think hobbies are important uh, as as part of my journey i learned singing and public speaking and i Painting, well, painting was always my hobby, and kind of remember and got more into it. And uh, dancing Argentine tango, those were all the different hobbies that I created and kind of started developing different parts of me. And through that, I was able to form different circle of friends, because it's important who we surround ourselves with. If we surround ourselves with people who pull us down, chances are we're going to soon become like them. So. Surround yourself with people who see the bet- better version of you, who can lift you up and support you. So through that, I was able to form those circles. And then I had a personal development circle for people who love that stuff. Yeah. So I was able to form all those kind of little communities that allowed me to experience different components of myself through the process. So that's what I encourage and help people do. And then finding their gift, whatever the gift it is that they have, and then sharing it with the world. It could be nothing for them, but it could be a great deal for someone else. So finding what it is, like a muscle of hierarchy of needs, when you fulfill your earthly desires, your possessions, your physical and mental and emotional health, we have that self-actualization right on top of it, and being able to see how can I serve, what can I do better. And sometimes when, when we in our own life, when we, say we think we are in a bad situation, what if we help somebody else? We suddenly start feeling like we are good enough, like we do matter. And I think it's an important uh, practice to have.
0: Yeah, so good. And and uh, it's similar journeys that, that I take people on mainly because they're foundational things of life right which which have kind of been lost in the like you described earlier in the busyness in the getting our priorities wrong in the in the grief that's impacted us from these different moments in our life but coming back to those those foundation that brought us joy that brought us health that brought us well-being that brought us connection um yeah so powerful and and specifically you're you're working with from your own experience, not just anyone but but people who are wanting to reclaim their life after separation, right. And, and if you and, and there's you've got so many great stories on your podcast about people who have been able to do that as well. yeah
1: Yes, yes. Podcast has been a great uh, learning experience and tool of uh, listening and learning so many things I learned for myself as well by speaking to so many people from different walks of life so many golden nuggets and I understand we're all different, but we all bring our own perspective and we could take the good things and kind of with them move forward in life.
0: Yeah. So true. Uh, you mentioned one other thing before we jumped on to record was, um, you also lost your first baby. Um, are you okay if we, we talk about that as well? Yes. Um, so, was that early in the pregnancy?
1: This was 19, 19 weeks
0: and like how did that unfold? What was the impact for you like well
1: brokenness feeling like I cannot produce a good baby what's wrong with me? Mm. feeling deficient in a way and um, blaming myself what what did I do wrong? I flew on an airplane uh, and I was thinking maybe something happened in the airplane. Uh, there was a, I call it, a left uh, hand was missing from the baby and he had a spina bifida. It's when uh, the neural column is not connected. Um, at least that, that's what they said and I believe them, uh, the doctors when they did their tests is you know they poke you a lot <laughs> during pregnancy yeah. you feel like a turkey and they take fix a different <laughs> tests and this and the other thing and you believe them and then you you decide to end the pregnancy and i wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy it was a very devastating process not so much physically but what happens to you emotionally
0: how you kind
1: of you're reeling from that you like it's like part of you is gone and you feel like something is wrong like you you deficient in some way that feeling like it was a punishment Mm. again yeah first first time
0: yeah yeah you mentioned that Um, in the the next time as well and I think all those that range of emotion that you described I think that's common for a lot of people is like uh, particularly if there's a medical element where you go oh well I just believed all of that like but was that true like all of all of that questioning and doubt and um, all normal parts of it so yeah thank you for for shining a light on that because that will be something that many will relate to particularly like, I look at my own journey. That was something I faced when, when my dad passed away and the doctors had a conversation with us around, you know, this is what's going on. And But, of course, there's still part of you that are like, well, but what if? What, yes. what if? So how, if that was like, how long before you had your daughter was that time? I believe it was,
1: it was two years. My daughter was born in 2009, and baby was lost in 2007, so there was two years in between.
0: Do, do you feel like that, that um, losing your child there actually uh, created strain on the marriage, or was there already strain there, or, or at this point you were oblivious to that having any impact?
1: looking back as like thinking was this a sign that I, I shouldn't be having babies and uh, with this particular individual and uh, not listening to warning bells. There wasn't strain yet, but there was, I think I choose to dismiss. We always have the warning bells in our head and we choose to see, uh, was this worth fighting for? And as I was like through my grow, growing up experience, I wasn't very expressive. I would uh, rather keep the peace. And when we keep the peace for the sake of of peace, we lose ourselves in the process because we lose our values, we lose our beliefs, we do not recognize who we are anymore. And I think that what happened to me as I had my loss of identity because I wasn't ex- as expressive. Mm-hmm. I chose. To dismiss certain things which I shouldn't be dismissing.
0: Usually, we look back in hindsight and see those things. It's not until we. we Not in the middle. No, and I think the important part from that is like what from what you were saying is like well yeah we, we don't see it when we're in the middle of it, and so there's no point then judging ourselves what about what we think we should have or could have or would have done it's like no no at that time we just did the best to to manage our grief the best that we could I, I really uh I really like what you said where you where you, you know looking back in hindsight it's like oh well was that actually the warning signs already at that point and you know if we it's easy to look back in and see in hindsight and, and join the dots and really that's the only way it doesn't matter, that it doesn't mean that we can't then be proactive about where we're heading and, and actually create some some dots to work towards in the future, right? So creating that future vision, is that is that part of the, the coaching that you do for people as well?
1: Definitely, yes, creating a story and then living that story, reciting that story. There are so many great books. I recently, last year I read The Ultimate Coach, uh, with Stephen Hardison, and he encourages uh, creating a document, and it's about who you are being. Uh, I don't know if you read or heard about it, but it's who it's you are being it. every single moment of the day. So you kind of create your commitment letter or your letter who you are, and this is how you see yourself. Like I am pure love, uh, or I. Uh, and you you write a series of statements, and in the morning and at night you remind yourself. You know, because we have so many years of programming to undo how we were growing up, I think this is a good installation manual to practice, to remember who you want to be in life. How do we want to show up for our spouse, for our children, for ourselves? How do we want to be? Like if something angers us, who do we want to be in that moment instead of simply reacting?
0: Mm. Uh, And it's something you mentioned really early on around that identity piece that really if we want to break everything we do as a coach down to that smallest piece, it's, it's that, right? It's like, who, who are we? Who do we want to be? We get caught up in on what we want to have and what we want to do with our life, but, but it's that. And and so I haven't learned that exact process that you described there, but I really love that making that something you read before bed. Cause that's where we do the best programming, right? This yeah. is who I want to be. And I, that's something that, I take clients through around helping them to see who they are beyond just what they think. But actually, like I don't know if you've done this activity, but you ask people that you know to, to say, well, like what is it about me that that you love? And you start hearing things that you'd forgotten or that maybe you feel a little bit uncomfortable receiving. But then when you sit with them, you realize, yeah, wow. When people ask me, like to introduce ourselves, we usually talk about our work, but yeah. that's not who we are. It's the things that you talked about then. It's like who we are is is that those those parts of us that are that are so uh, joyful and and positive and has the ability to help other people to that transformation process. So uh, thank you for sharing that process, Irina. I really love that. And if anyone's listening and, and thinking about it, then yeah, I, you know, there's a recommendation for the book, but even just a basic level to take that on, on themselves and, and, and write that. Who do you want to be? It's such a powerful exercise.
1: Yes. Cause every moment of every day, it's not what we do. It's who we are being. And yeah. from being comes the doing, but Growing up, it was the doing that mattered most. So it's difficult to uh, uh, kind of rewire yourself. And even in manifestation, what do they say? You got to be it before you get it. You got to be it.
0: Absolutely. So treating
1: yourself. Another great book I I read is uh, Tell Yourself Better Lies by Marisa Pierre. Because we (laughs) constantly tell ourselves lies. What if we tell an empowering lie that in the beginning... Yes, it is not true, but it's beneficial for you. And then you believe it. Mm -hmm. And the great exercise, writing on the mirror, I am enough, three little words. And reminding yourself in the morning and at night, the three simple things. And in the beginning, it feels uncomfortable, but over time, it becomes natural. And you start to appreciate yourself for all the good, the bad, and the ugly, because we all have all kinds of parts of ourselves. And oftentimes, Mm -hmm. we are... Our own executioner and our own judge, all wrapped into one.
0: So true. Um, when when you were talking about that that statement of "I am enough," I, it made me think of what you were talking about before. Is when you when you in those moments of grief, when you start to question all those different things, really they're just more evidence that we're creating in our head where we're not enough. Yes. Whereas if we just realise that we are in every given moment and and that's not life's not about trying to pick to p- pick apart what you could have done better it's just coming to that realization um, yeah you you mentioned something at the start which we we kind of shifted away from but you, you mentioned how well this moment in your life was such a negative but it also ended up becoming the most positive so tell me a little bit about the uh, the positive, things that have come into your life as a result of having gone through all of this different, these different moments of grief? I
1: rediscovered who I am. I discovered pieces of myself I didn't know I had. I, I became an extrovert. I discovered my voice. Uh, I was able to share my story. Um, I became a writer, which I never thought I could, but here I am. Uh, I created a podcast. Without having no prior knowledge, so ability uh, and ability to create things from our, from nothing, but with having an idea and then having people believe in that idea and going with it, even if it might feel crazy in your head, <laughs> but if enough people believe in it and if you have supporters, then anything is possible. So I think it's the realization that. A uh, breakup or divorce doesn't have to be the end. It could be the wake-up call to finally live your life how you imagine it to live. You don't have to uh, succumb. We always, in any situation, we can either, any struggle, we can either succumb and give up, and we can raise up like a phoenix and uh, embrace our challenges and persevere, go through them, and discover there is something beautiful is possible on the other end. But it's all a matter of our beliefs and the stories we tell ourselves. But nothing is impossible. Anything can be changed. We just need to make a decision. And oftentimes that decision is the difficult part because, as I mentioned earlier, our subconscious mind likes to keep us safe. And anything new is considered unsafe and dangerous. And just like learning a new habit. If you're trying to lose weight, oftentimes you find it difficult. You know you have to go to the gym, but getting yourself there is another story. <laughs> <laughs> so we gotta break it down, chunk it down into small, tiny steps. Another great book is Atomic Habits by James Clear that helps do that uh, by dissecting our goal into small, manageable chunks and making the uncomfortable comfortable to make our subconscious mind familiar with an activity. So tying your shoelaces before even talking about going to the gym, just tie your shoelaces every day, and then as you get through it, then add additional micro step on top, and this is how we can kind of embrace change and move forward slowly. But it's in the tiny increments that the most change occurs.
0: Mm. That Atomic Habits book is uh, something that I've heard a lot of people talk about, so well worth it, uh, listeners out there, to to checking that one out. Um, this just came to me, and it's not a question that, that uh, I think I've asked before, but it must be important for you. Is there someone from your past that you'd love to give a shout out to who really was so influential and supportive at a time when you most needed it through this journey?
1: my mom my mom was was with me through this journey and helped me with my kids and raised them and be there physically for them and emotionally so i want to thank my mom for being there
0: i love that so great make sure make sure you play this part to her won't you i will (laughs) uh she must be so proud of the woman that you've become today and, and the mother you've become um what a what is there a better gift than than being the best version of ourselves? is there a better gift to give back to our to our mum than that
1: yes yeah sometimes it takes time
0: yeah true very true um irena where can people find out more about you what you do and and if they feel called to come and do some work with you
1: for, uh, so my website is irinashehovtsov.com. Uh, my YouTube channel is Happiness Academy. Uh, on Instagram, I am uh, red.claimyourlife. Podcast is single parent success stories. And you can hear to where you hear, listen to your favorite podcast shows on Apple, Spotify, and so on. Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, also Reclaim Your Life. And LinkedIn is my name.
0: And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.